everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Fearcast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. My name is Kevin. I am your host. Thank you all for joining me today. Uh, so this is a question and answer based podcast where you, the listener, get to send me, the therapist, questions about OCD and all sorts of anxiety stuff, uh, phobias, and all those things. Um, and uh, you, I will uh, uh, get those questions, listen to them consider them and put them up on a future episode. And that's what today's episode is going to be about. I've got two questions I'm going to be going over from listeners. If you would like your question answered on a future episode, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can go to the submit a question link. There's going to be some options there that you can put some info, some information about you and then uh, what your question is. I will get that and uh, uh, I will put that up somewhere in the future. So, uh, uh, today is going to be an episode that has two questions. I thought I'd just run these two questions by everybody. Um, again, I should say that uh, if you are, if you like the show, if you've listened to it before, uh, it would mean a great deal for me for you to like it, star it, thumbs up it, whatever it is on your platform, and even better to go and write a review. That would mean a lot. Uh, it, it helps other people find it. You obviously found it. Somehow this information got to you. So the best thing that you can do is to put that forward as well. So um, that can come through uh, writing a review. It can come through telling a friend. It can come through telling a group member. It comes through telling your therapist. So uh, I, I, I don't do advertising for this. If, if there's any ad for it, I have put it up, and, but that has never happened. So uh, all of this is word of mouth and uh, um, just a, a natural growth. So I appreciate everybody who has found it, and I'm excited to see where it continues to go. So I don't really have a whole lot to add at the very top of this, um, other than if you are uh, going to be anywhere where the internet is available, uh, you can check me out and as well as check a bunch of other um, uh, fantastic, very brilliant, um, probably, well, certainly more brilliant speakers and uh, researchers and therapists than I. Um, I suppose that's self-deprecating. Um, I'm not going to look into it. Anyways, so the uh, I, I'm, I'll be speaking at the OCD SoCal conference. If you want to learn more about it, you can go to OCDSoCal.org, I believe, um, and uh, I see if that is uh, has some talks that you'd be interested in attending. I will also be attending and speaking at the uh, this summer's IOCDF conference. So that's the International OCD Foundation. Uh, we are going to be in Denver this year, and I just registered, and I will just be scheduling or, or booking my um, hotel soon. So uh, if you are going to be in Denver, or well, I should say this, if you are interested in attending or learning more about OCD or trying to get some, some cutting-edge information about uh, OCD treatment, uh, you should go check them out. Go, uh, uh, go check it out. Uh, we're going to be in Denver as I previously mentioned. And I'll say this, though, if you don't want to go all the way to Denver, guess what? In a couple of months after that, they're going to be doing an online conference. Uh, so again, if you have access to the internet and would like to watch a conference about OCD and anxiety disorders, you can do it on the internet. So again, go to iofcdf.org and you'll learn more about that stuff there. All right, I think that's enough 
plugging for various things. So let's get on to the questions. So the first question comes from OCD Canadian. And by the way, if you are concerned about sending in your question for fear of anonymity or not having it, uh, you have it. So I will ask for your name and contact information, but that's just for me, just in case something crazy happens, I need to contact you. Um, you can put up whatever name you want and I will most likely read that. So for example, case in point, this question comes from OCD Canadians. So OCD Canadians says, I recently came across your podcast after a group member of my OCD support group suggested this to me curious that, that well yes this is all right this is on the nose i didn't play in this i just read this and i totally forgot that it was in this um that's how ocd canadian found out about it i was recently diagnosed with the ocd and have been having difficulty coming to terms with it i was convinced that i had ptsd from a childhood trauma and i always asked for reassurance in my relationships with my husband uh we thought uh, she says parenthetically uh we thought this was just because i was insecure I have several internal, uh, excuse me, internal compulsions. I was about to read internal uh, uh, combustions that would have gone bad. See a doctor for that if you have internal combustions. But you have internal compulsions. So she says, uh, uh, which I guess is why it hasn't been diagnosed earlier on. My psychologist mentioned that OCD can get misdiagnosed for GAD slash MDD. So that's generalized anxiety disorder, major depressive disorder, which is why it happened to me. We are beginning to work on ERP and CBT, and I was wondering, what advice can you give to someone that is struggling and coming to terms with OCD as a new diagnosis? So it is this last bit that I think is incredibly, well, the other bit was incredibly important too. Thank you for so, so much for sharing, OCD Canadian. Um, but gosh, there are so many folks who are just learning about their diagnosis, finally getting that information, finally getting to that blog or that blog that goes that and they go, that kind of sounds like me. And then they talk to their doctor, a psychiatrist or a psychologist, and they get an official diagnosis. And, they, and it, it can be both liberating and it can feel terrifying. So a lot of people do struggle with, well, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my life now? So I, I wanted to just give some ideas on, on OCD Canadian, what, what you can do that might help in trying to wrap your head around this, this diagnosis and what it means for you and, and about you. So the first thing that I want to say, and I say this to everybody, is just remember that your diagnosis does not define you. You are now not the person with OCD. Now, I'll say this before, you were, or prior to this, you were not the person with PTSD. You were you. You were OCD Canadian. To anybody, to anybody else out there who's listening to this, you're still you. Now, some people say that that's all I am or that's all I see myself as because it is so pervasive. It is so overwhelming. And I'll agree, it can be incredibly overwhelming and pervasive and destructive in one's life. But, but I, I want to encourage you to broaden this definition and this view of yourself out a little bit more. Well, you know, an exercise that I, I offer to clients, and I'm going to do a very, very short version of that here, is to think about a, a mosaic. If you've ever seen a mosaic, a mosaic is, is a, a picture or a design that's made up of a bunch of little individually cut or individual tiles or pieces of glass or something. But it's, it, it's it, each and every one of those 
by themselves are kind of weird. They're misshapen. They all have different colors. They they're they're not. They're generally speaking, they're not uniform in their presentation or their look. But collectively, when you take a step back from it, you see a bunch of you see this this whole picture. Now we are that. We as people are that. Now. We are this. Well, what I'm saying is, you're this mosaic, this beautiful thing that to, that is that is only seen when you take a step back from it and you see how all the individual little pieces match up and and contribute to this greater, more beautiful thing. OCD Canadian, that's you. You what you're what you are maybe doing, and what a lot of people do is they they focus in on just one tile and they say, "This is my everything. This one tile is me." Whatever color or shape or design or style or or material, that's me. And it's simply not true. Now, that's part of you. It's part of you, but it's not the whole thing because there's a bunch of other tiles that are there. What I would encourage you to do is to is to take some time to acknowledge what the other tiles are. Put it into perspective that you have a bunch of other tiles of different colors and shapes and designs and styles that are there that are equally beautiful. And I'll say this as well. Some of the tiles that we have are broken. They're cracked. They are misshapen. They are miscolored. And that may be stuff from our past. That may be elements of ourself that are, you know, that we don't love. Right? We all have that. I have that. You have that too. And that's that's okay because you're more than just that one. You are that one and all these thousands of other things. So OCD Canadian, what else are you? And don't just go and, and describe all the bad stuff or the stuff that you don't want. What's all the other good stuff? You can acknowledge the bad stuff if you want to as well. But I'm going to again say that ain't just everything that's that's who and what you are. You're all the other stuff, too. So, all right. So that's just one thing. Remember that you are more than just that. So the first thing that someone ought to do when they get their diagnosis is learn what you can about it. Learn everything that you can. Now, I, there there is a line when at some point we need to stop reading, but learn learn about what OCD and what anxiety is. If you're listening to this and you're diagnosed with a major depressive disorder, learn about it. If you're if you are diagnosed with um, generalized anxiety or social anxiety or specific phobia, learn everything that you can about what it is, how it works, what the diagnosis process is, what treatment options are, what treatment looks like, what recovery looks like. And there's so much good information out there. There are books out there. There are there are a plethora of books out there right now. Uh, and they, the, the, the more and more time that goes by, the more and more granular the subjects are becoming. So there's going to likely be, at least soon or whatever, that the, there's probably going to be a book about whatever your anxiety is soon. There are podcasts out there. You've obviously listened to this one. Thank you so much. There's also the OCD stories. There's going to be a, a, a number of other anxiety um, and OCD-specific podcasts, as well as depression, general mental health. Um, inform yourself about those. There's going to be articles as well. And I'll also say this about books and articles. Find writers that you like. Not all, not all of us are the same. But I'd say find writers that that sound consistent with what everybody else is saying. I had somebody called me um, inquiring about treatment with, with myself in my program, and they said, you know, I've read your website, and, you know, you sound like everybody else. And now, 
I took that as a good thing because it means that I'm doing something consistent with what the of what other OCD therapists are doing. If you're reading somebody who is completely left field, it you, we might read that as they know what's going on. They've got the key. They've got the answers. Now, I, I, I don't know what you're reading. They might have something that's very helpful, but I'd say take it with a grain of salt. Be cautious with that, but rather err on the side of, is this what other people are saying? But to the writer's point, finding the writers that you like, are they saying in a way that really resonates with me? There are people who are very, very clinical. There are, very, there are people who are very, very colloquial, um, meaning that they're not, they're not fancy in the way they sound. They sound like people. I hope that I am one of those people that's more colloquial because I don't like fancy therapy talk. I don't like to sound like an academic. Um, and uh, hopefully that's resonating with some people out there. But again, if you like the academic stuff, read that. If you like stuff that sounds more spiritual, sounds less spiritual, find that. There are people out there for you. Take some time, keep reading, and, and eventually you'll find people that you like. All right, so learn about the diagnosis. Moving on, the next thing you can do is get your social support together. So you already talked about your husband. Awesome. So the, your support system is who you're going to share this with and who you will not. So I'll say this off the bat. You don't have to tell anyone if you don't want to. It's your news to tell. Share as much as you want. Share as little as you want. But help people to help you bring people in at least a little bit to let them know that something is going on with you and in your life and maybe offer them some tips on what they can do. Now, there's going to be some differences here. There's going to be safe people and unsafe people that that are, are out there. Safe people that you want to tell, those are people who are really close to you. Those are people who are, are who see you, they're going to be around you, they're going to be warm with you. They're going to be accepting of you. They are supportive of you. They're kind. They're tactful in the way that they say things. And they're honest, meaning that they're going to, uh, they're going to confront you, reflect to you things that they see, and they're going to be truthful about it. So if things are, you know, if you're going wackadoo and things are going weird in your life, they'll tell you, but they're going to tell you in a way that is caring and honest and loving and, and again, tactful, right? They're not going to be jerks about it. So those are just some of the qualities of safe people to look out for. Now, I'm going to contrast that with unsafe people. Unsafe people are just people who disagree with or don't believe in psychiatry or mental health issues. None of those people. They're already going to tell you that you're crazy and that you need to, I don't know, exercise more, change your diet, take this crazy weird supplement, um, pray more, read the Bible more. Now, again, I'm for a lot of these things, but to say it's not that you need to do mental health treatment or go through and do some you know, uh, research-supported therapy, they're going to say this is the fix or that the problem isn't uh, a, a, a biological issue or a, a chemical issue or a behavioral issue. They're going to say it's a it's a diet issue or it's a it's a singular thing. So none of those people. Those people are weird. No, run away, run. Okay. Other qualities of unsafe people. They're going to be judgmental people, right? They're going to maybe say negative things about you. They're going to be gossips. That's my next point. Um, we, 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 you and I get to share how much information gets out there and how it gets out there. So if you know this person to be a gossip and they just kind of chit chat around, 
that they may not be a safe person for you in your in this process of your life. Um, other unsafe people are going to be people who are immature, people who are selfish. So I. So selfish people, I'm going to define as a couple different things. This is the person who says, well, why aren't you talking about me? In other words, we've been talking a lot about you. Why aren't you talking about me? Now, there can be a there can be a pattern for some people where, or phases of our life, or things, I'll just say phases of our life, where we are going to talk more about us. OCD Canadian, if you are coming to terms with your OCD, this is top of mind. This is a big deal. So you may be talking about this more than perhaps somebody else, right? So, or perhaps at, at, at other times in, in your life. So this may be something where you need more attention, but also to remember that there is a balance. Friendships are two-way relationships, and we do talk about the other person, even if... I, I mean, I like to think that in conversation, even if you've got your own thing and you're struggling with your own thing, still ask about the other person. How are they? What are they doing? So it's not just about you. You're still developing a friendship and a mutual support for one another. Someone who's unsafe is going to be, well, we've been talking all about you and your struggles that are legit struggles too much. Let's talk about me and my stuff, right? And they're demanding of it, or they are unempathetic with the fact that they are sharing this information, or that you are sharing this information, rather. The other uh, element of a, of a selfish person is someone who's a one-up person. So they might say, like, uh, oh, you've been diagnosed with OCD. Well, I was diagnosed with this. Or you think your life was hard. Well, what about this? And they've always got a story. Now, we as people sometimes always have that story. But you know the one-up person. It's that person who discredits your experience or minimizes um, or marginalizes and puts theirs as worse or better or more intense or more difficult or more pressure filled. It's not a competition. You can both have struggles, but someone who's just going to one up you, they're probably not going to be very supportive. All right. So I'll also say this. Don't expect everyone to have the same reaction or the expected reaction. You could tell someone that you think is safe and share this information, and they're going to go, so what? In, in, a, in the best and worst way, right? They could say, so what? As, like, I don't see you as this person. You're not just this. You are so much, you are the mosaic, right? Or they're going to say, so what? Meaning, this doesn't matter. And that can be invalidating. But we don't know. Back to the uncertainty point. We don't know. So go into it knowing that it may not go exactly as planned. Uh, lastly, to this support system, we don't have to roll it out as if your head's going to explode or as if it's you know some uh, terminal cancer or something like that. You're going to say, hey, I was diagnosed and this is now part of part of me. This is part of my life now and I'm kind of wrestling with it, but it's, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's, it's just, it's this thing. When we, when we start to roll these things out like it's the biggest, most terrible thing, we kind of, we sometimes can activate someone else's anxiety in this. And, you know, obviously we, we can't control other people or we're not at fault for affecting somebody else. But an OCD diagnosis is also not the end of the world. It is not a terminal cancer. It is, it's a struggle. It's an obstacle. It is a pain in the ass, but it is not the end of the world. So roll it out like, you know what, this is, this is something that's scary and I, I, I'm looking for support. So next, we'll move it on to the next point is find a therapist and start therapy. 
perhaps the obvious one, right? So it can be find a group or find an individual therapy. You can go over to the IOCDF.org and you can put in your zip code and find a therapist. It sounds like you are already in a group, so you are already ahead of it. But for those of you who are out there who are still struggling, finding finding a uh, treatment that's going to work. And to this point, get a diagnosis through a reputable person and then begin that work. So, And also know that therapy is going to meander and kind of take its time. Sometimes I work with folks and, you know, it's very direct and very to the point. It's very short. Sometimes we're going to take a sidestep and we're going to talk about relationships or school or work or other stuff. And we eventually get back to this and 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 it's going to meander. Um, so it's, it may not just be this this short 10 session things as, as you might read about in, in the research. But again, being able to uh, ver- verbalize that or verbalize concerns. And we'll, we'll get to that point uh, a little bit later on. So very lastly, in terms of how you can kind of get used to or, or, or um, uh, accept, come to terms is your term as uh, with, a, with your OCD diagnosis. I want to say be optimistic and be realistic. So, being optimistic. So recognize that setbacks are expected, but don't lose hope. Therapy works. Therapy's hard, but it's also very, very doable. It is workable if you work it. Remember that you're not alone in this process either. There are thousands and millions of people across the world who are experiencing anxiety too and who are experiencing mental health struggles and they are, they are recovering. You're not alone. And you're not alone to the point of, I've had this podcast for three and a half years now, and I keep getting questions, and there are people who have similar concerns, and they're out there looking for answers and trying to live their life as best they can too. We're all kind of in this together. And even if even all the people who aren't listening to this podcast, everyone is struggling with something, and we're all trying to just make a go of it. You're not alone. So... It can be helpful to find those people going back to the uh, the point about um, getting your support system together. Find, set, find that support. So uh, my last point in this is that, um, is that you, in, in the terms of being optimistic about your recovery, is that you have a tremendous impact on your therapy outcome. So there are going to be a couple things to this. So one, advocate for yourself. So don't just go along absolutely without question every single thing that your therapist says. Now, I certainly won't say, you know, fight them at, at tooth and nail at every single point. But if there's something that sounds weird, advocate for yourself. If it sounds like it's pushing yourself too far, too fast, too beyond your comfort zone, too beyond your value zone, verbalize that. And hopefully the therapist will be responsive. If they're not, they may not be a good fit and there might be somebody else out there who'd be a better fit. So, also, um, but yeah, be, be verbal with your therapist as well about your goals, the questions that you have and the issues. So kind of sharing with them what you, what you hope comes at the end of therapy. Hope provides a tremendous benefit to people in therapy. Now, hope is, hope is very, very similar to dread in that they're both future-based events that we have no idea if they're going to occur. Hope, though, is a future-based event that we want. Dread is that future-based event that we don't want. We dread our feared stories. We dread the bad stuff happening. Hope is also this, we, we don't know if it's going to happen, but we, we would like it to happen. 
we, we need hope in our life and to fix our eyes, fix our gaze on that hope of this promise of a better life, of better functioning, of better relationships, and work towards that goal and figure out what what are the obstacles in the way of you getting to that. Now, in the process of doing this, we may never ever get to our goals perfectly. But I'll tell you, we're probably going to get closer to them if we're working towards them rather than just this obtuse, like, I hope I kind of get better sort of thing. Um, when I was coaching archery, there was this um, there was this thing that, that, that we used to tell people. It's, um, so it, in, in, uh, modern archery, uh, specifically a, um, a, <clears throat> a, a kind of a, a recurve, like Olympic style, right, is that they're shooting at 70 meters. 70 meters is a crazy distance, okay? The target is is kind of like if you just take your arms and hold them all the way out, it's basically the wingspan of, of your arms. I'm not going to look up the exact size. I forget because it, it doesn't matter. But it's about that big. Now, it's can these concentric circles all the way into, uh, and they're these different colors, right? It's like black, it's white, um, blue, red, uh, yellow in the middle, right? And they cover two different points. It's zero to, or uh, one to 10 is the numbers. You don't care. No one cares here. But the whole point is, so in the middle, there's the, there's the 10 ring. You're going, yeah, shoot for the 10 ring, right? Okay. Uh, the yellow spot is both yellow and, or both nine and 10. So you got your 10 ring, but inside, inside the 10 ring, there's this, there's a smaller circle. And at the very, very center of it is this little X, Okay. Now, if you're if you're shmarmy and uh, your goon around thir- uh, archery, as I was, am was, um, there's this little uh, the little X we call it the spider, right? It's got these little legs on it. Anyways, the whole point is, they say shoot for one of the aim for one of the legs on that spider. Try to hit that one leg. Now, let's put you back at seventy meters. You can't see that X. You can't see that. You can't see the X ring. You can't see the 10 ring. What you see is yellow, blue, yellow, red, blue, white, black. That's what you see that far back. It's this mind game. You're saying, I'm going to mentally put my hope on that X and that leg of the spider. And you know what? If I'm aiming at that granular, I'm probably going to get closer to that. If I'm just if I'm aiming really granular, I'm going to get closer to that than if I just say, I, I just want to hit the target right? There are these error bars in what we're doing. So we hope for that, we aim for that, and we do the best that we can to get as close to that as we can. I want you to think about what you are trying to get to, knowing you're probably not going to hit exactly, and you're going to probably get closer to it if you work towards it. If we just run from failure, or if we're running from fear, or from sadness, or from uncertainty, we're just running, we're just trying to get away from this ambiguous thing, but anxiety is going to chase you around wherever you go. Fixate your eyes on the thing, that, the direction that you want to be going in and work towards that, and you're going to do a lot better than just this ambiguous running from terror. So um, lastly, and to that point, is participate in the process. So um, you aren't a passive bystander in your therapy. You're an active participant. What you put into it, you're going to get out of it. If you just kind of hope that the therapist is going to drag you along, they will. But if they're dragging you, kicking and screaming, it's not going to go very well. If you're if you're in the middle of fighting with the idea that you have OCD, 
while you're in the middle of trying to do OCD treatment, it's going to be a struggle. If you're struggling with shame, say to your therapist, you know, I'm still struggling with shame in this. And you, maybe you need to do a sidestep from doing ERP and talk about that first stuff, right? That mosaic. Shame is kind of saying, I can't get over, I can't not focus on my broken tile. I'm ashamed. I feel, I feel defective because of my broken tile. We need to talk about that. And there's going to need to be a sidestep from doing ERP to then get you on board with doing it. And sometimes even then, we, we need to get to an acceptance of the reality that we may never fix. And we're probably never going to fix our broken tile. It's broken. But that's okay. We are okay with broken tiles. Everyone has one. I've got a bunch of them. And you know people who've got a bunch of them too. But step back from it. Look at all the wonderful tiles, all the beautiful tiles. The tiles, the collection of them is why you're fighting for yourself. It's for the beauty of that and to add more beautiful tiles to it. So I, I know I kind of meandered myself in this in this example, but I hope this helps in, in terms of giving you an idea about how you can come to terms with your OCD diagnosis. So uh, OCD Canadian, thank you so much for it. So this last question uh, comes from, and this is the name they gave me, Ugh. So it's impronounceable, U-H-G, Ugh. All right, so this is what they said. They said, I'm a newer therapist, and my OCD symptoms, and they specifically said harm and relationship and pure O. They said, my OCD symptoms have been exacerbated a lot since finishing grad school. I remember struggling with this throughout my life, but it has never been this bad. I fear that this means that this profession isn't good for me and my mental health, although I love it. I have a therapist that I work with and who does CBT, but not ERP, by the way. So this is all they said. All right, ugh. All right, so first off, th thank you for sending this in. I think this is important to hear. Um, so I, I, one, I would say, I would encourage you to find a therapist who does CBT and ERP. Now you've got a therapist who does CBT, add on the ERP. Talk to them about what ERP is. Give them articles on ERP. Buy a book on ERP. There's going to be a gaggle of them out there. But find one that kind of resonates with you and it seems to be relatively simple for both of you two to work on. And say, hey, I want to do this. Help me work through this and give them the task of learning how to do it. If they say, I don't do ERP, I just do CBT. Run. Go away. Find a new person. Um, it's not that this therapist is bad. It's that they're just not doing the thing that you need them to do right now. So, that's my first thing. Second off, UG, <laughs> I think it's silly to say that, UG, this may still be the profession for you. You said that you love it. Great. I want you to do it. Now, by, say, now, by saying that your mental health and your mental health struggles are going to be the thing that impact your, your work, whatever job you get into, your mental health struggles are going to impact that work too. The question isn't about what is the right or the wrong job for you. It's how are you dealing with the obsessions? How are you dealing with your obsessions and symptoms in the midst of your job? Are you effectively doing response prevention? Are you effectively acknowledging and accepting the obsessions without response, without action and compulsion? That's going to be what's, what's better. So um, I, I'm going to encourage you to frequent... Uh, 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 Oh, I'm forgetting the name of it. That's not good. I was going to say Twitter. I guess you can frequent Twitter too. Um, 
I, I guess it's Instagram. There you go, Instagram. Oh my God. It's been a long day, everybody. So um, go to Instagram. Find a bunch of therapists. I know several, I know many therapists who have OCD themselves and are living a fantastic life. They're very successful. They're very smart. They're very effective. They're very prolific in what they do. Now, I reached out to some of them to try to point you in the right direction of them so that you can see examples of therapists who do in fact have OCD and in fact are doing very, very well. However, I've not heard back from them, so I'm not going to out them if they aren't prepared for that. As I previously mentioned, this is their information, not mine to share. Now, that being said, I've certainly had some of them on my podcast before, and I believe they have acknowledged it. I'm just blanking on it. There are also going to be a number of... so. Point is, go to the internet, find some people. They will likely, if they talk about themselves being an OCD advocate or they are likely someone who has OCD, um, keep looking around. You're going to find people out there who have OCD and are are successful. So, I, and I, I can acknowledge, oh, I, I as I've said, I'm not diagnosed with OCD. However, I'm, I'm quite obsessive in some areas of my life. And um, I have a lifelong of social anxiety and some panic attacks and, and uh, generalized anxiety and imposter syndrome and all this stuff. And you know what? I get triggered to my own symptoms from time to time. I'm going to go to the conference and bro, I do not want to go. Cause you know what? There uh, people on people that I, I know professionals who are like, Hey, we're going to go. I'm so excited to meet everybody. I'm like, yay. Like, it's going to be fun to meet some of those people, but I'm like, ah, I'm going to have to go and I'm going to have to pretend like I'm a social person and I'm going to want to talk to people. I don't. I kind of don't. I, I, I hate people and I like people, but I don't want to talk to people. But I still want to talk to people, but I just don't really want to talk to people. It's a very conflicting thing that I'm going through. So I, I know that I'm going to go. And I'm going to be triggered, and it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's and it's going to be something that I will, I will overcome. I know I will. And for you, Ugg, I would encourage you to be, continue to practice and go headlong into your recovery, and pursue this job that you love so stinking much. It's super fun to be a therapist. It, it's fun to see people get better and get back to their lives and recover from the struggles that are in their life. What's better to play a small role in helping somebody to get their life back? It's a privilege. It's a joy to have this job. I want you to enjoy that and to be a part of that and part of somebody's recovery journey in that. And know that sometimes you're going to get triggered. Like these therapists that I'm thinking of that sometimes struggle. They sometimes struggle. Sometimes they'll they'll talk to me about getting caught up in a compulsion cycle. And they go, ugh, I did it again, right? The one person I would say that I, I know puts themselves out there uh, is John Hirschfeld. And I've referred to him a bunch of times. But he he's written an article about how he is a therapist and has OCD. So find some of his writings. And he'll the, the way that he talks about it and the way that he treats um, himself within this profession uh, can be really helpful. So, Ugh, there's hope out there for you. I hope this has uh, uh, goosed that hope or provided some of this hope or fanned the flames of some of this hope for you. But it's there. Just reach out and grab it and continue to just push forward with yourself and improving yourself. That's the number one thing that you can do. So, Ugh, thank you so much for being so vulnerable to share this and being so honest with yourself that y you're getting triggered by this. So, being aware of that 
trigger is helpful too, because then you're going to expect it. Oh, there's my OCD. I was in session with someone and they were talking about their relationship problems. Of course, it triggered my, my relationship OCD. Oh man, this person talked about, they were talking about this random movie about somebody being killed and they thought it was just a good movie. And of course, it's going to trigger my harm OCD. Of course. Why wouldn't it? But we can anticipate it, sidestep it, anticipate it, acknowledge the fear, acknowledge the obsessive story, and resist the compulsion. So again, thank you so much and best of luck in the process. So I think right around here, I'm going to bring in the, uh, uh, the the tail out music or the outro music, I suppose is what real people call it. Um, everybody, I hope this has been helpful. I hope there's something in this that was benef- of benefit to you. Thank you all for listening. Please remember that the FearCast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you need a little bit of help in your recovery, go over to fearcastpodcast.com. There's going to be some information there that hopefully should point you in the right direction. If you have some suggestions for a future episode about how uh, these two good folks could uh, maybe do this better or some, something you want to supplement to my response, Go over to fearcastpodcast.com and, and go to the submit a question link. Let me know there. If you would like to send in an audio question, um, send it to me and that will go to the tippity top of the list and will bypass the wait list of all these questions. You can send it to me over at Instagram, my Fearcast Podcast over there. You can also go over to uh, uh, fearcastpodcast.com and you can, in the submit a question link, give me a shared Google document where you've uploaded your um, audio and I'll download it from there. It'll be super easy and super fast. So, Again, everybody, thank you all so much for joining me. Until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.